Welcome to the ABI Online Radio Show, where you're about to hear from industry experts that will share their stories and advice on how you too can learn from their expertise and life's experiences. And now it's time for the next interview, so let's get on with the show. Hi everyone and welcome. Today I have the extreme pleasure to welcome David Quinn to the show. David has been a finance broker since 2012. He moved from being a contact, contact, let me get that word right, a contact centre consultant into the finance sector with the goal of assisting one family at a time to achieve one or more of their financial goals. For example, to purchase property as their first home, the next home or an investment property. David started his business after a career with Aussie Home Loans. He can now offer independent advice as well as access to an increasing number of lenders, which means he has the options for customers that, that may think they don't have any. So this allows him greater scope to do the best for his clients, whatever their circumstances. David has named his business the One Stop Home Loan Shop because he wanted his clients to understand that they only need to speak to him to get the best loan or advice for their particular circumstances. David tells me that he works with his clients to resolve their financial challenges. So with that, that's um, the introduction, David. I hope I got everything right and I did you justice. Um, yes, welcome sir. to the show. Uh, my brief introduction. So thank you, Fred. It's, uh, it's good to be with you. So was there anything else you'd like to add about yourself or um, have I covered most of the things or how did we go? I guess the, the one thing in relation to um, the, being the one-stop home loan shop that I'd like to add is that, that um, a lot of people will go to their, their bank the first time and often that's not often that's not going to be the best thing for them and that's because if let's say your your bank is CBA and you go and talk to CBA they're only going to tell you about CBA's products and at, at very best they'll tell you which of their products best suits you as a customer whereas uh, coming to me I've got the, the products of more than 40 lenders to choose from and it's one appointment with the bank or one appointment with me and one appointment with me will give you or any broker in fact will give you um, the the a range of options where a much wider range than just visiting your bank alone, and it doesn't mean necessarily mean that your your current bank will be the worst option. They may very well be the best, but at least you've had the opportunity to compare them to other players before you make a decision. Well, that sounds plausible. Um, what just as a matter of interest, what is there a difference between a mortgage and a finance broker? Well, um, the, 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 there's a, I guess, a, an acceptance of the term mortgage broker in the in the community. Finance broker is essentially the same thing, except that uh, in my case, I do finance beyond mortgages, and I, I personally like to call a mortgage a home loan rather than a mortgage because a mortgage is uh, essentially a legal arrangement between you and your bank, which allows them to take you home if you don't pay your bills. Um, it's an accepted term for home loan in the community, but I, I, like, I prefer to call it home loan because that's what the customer is looking for. Nobody comes to me looking for a legal arrangement with the bank. They want the bank to lend the money, obviously, but the, the, the mortgage, the, the legal arrangement is something that is a necessary evil. But a finance broker is often, in many cases, a mortgage broker, which is what which I am as well. But uh, I extend my range of offerings to include business and other t types of finance, like personal loans and car loans and the like. 
I think I had another question for you, but I think you've covered that. But you might want to expand on it, and that was why do like why should somebody use a mortgage broker rather than a bank? But I, I think you've covered that. But you might might have some additional words. Sure. Well, the, the simple the simple way of approaching it is that a mortgage broker is one person that is out to, so like in my case in particular, not in every case but in most cases, a mortgage broker or finance broker is there to serve the customer whereas if you get walk into your bank, they will serve the customer but their purpose is to actually make money for the bank, to sell the bank's products, to, to en engage the customer in more and more of the, the bank's services to keep them as a customer of the bank for longer. Whereas my, my whole purpose is about helping my customers achieve what they want to achieve, whatever that requires. Okay, so from, from your experience, what could our listeners do to improve their chances of having a successful loan application? Well, the, 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 the very first thing is to um, pay all your bills on time. Uh, don't don't uh, allow yourself to get into a situation where, if, if it's possible, of course, sometimes it, it's beyond people's control, but if it's possible, don't get yourself into a situation where you can't afford to or you can't pay a bill on time because that can affect your credit, what's considered by the lenders credit creditworthiness. And even if you, as an example, if you're, you're late with one home loan payment, that might uh, limit your chances of, of refinancing that home loan or it might also limit your chances of being able to extend financing in another area, it might be business or um, personal, like a personal loan or business finance. But uh, the, and the other thing is to uh, not apply for too many loans over time as well because one of the other things about people's credit history is that every time, every time you or I apply for a personal loan or payday loans or a car loan or and it even extends to things like a phone account or an electricity account. Every somebody does a, a check on your credit history, and that leaves a footprint. Now that footprint on your on your credit history can uh, work against you if you apply for. Let's say you're applying for your, for a home loan today. If all of those things occurred, let let's say a number of those things occurred in in a period of time recently, and recently could be up to five years, then that can um, limit how uh, how well a lender will view your ability to, to, to repay your loan. They might think that from uh, that visibility of what you've been doing in the past that, that you're not going to be a good risk for them. So don't, so that in, in, an, in a nutshell it's uh, pay your bills on time, especially your credit card bills, personal loans and home loans but other bills as well and don't go applying for payday loans if you can avoid it um, and, and other uh, loans that, that you think you're not going to be able to get. Talk to somebody like me first because we can uh, look at what, what, what is possible before creating a, a footprint on your credit history whereas if you go to let's say um, a, a payday lender for example then as soon as you make an inquiry with them, and this, this includes online inquiries, they will inquire about your credit history and that will leave a footprint, which then if when you, when you go to do something that's more meaningful or more important, that can have a, an impact. Whereas if you talk to me, I'll look at what's possible, we'll talk about that 
and we don't actually and I can actually do a credit credit check for you check your credit history and give you a, a copy of that without creating that negative footprint on your on your credit history and that that will allow me then also to, to say well based on that these are the, these are the options you currently have or if you wait a little bit longer for example something might fall off the credit history so I can say well if you if you wait until then before you do anything else then that will fall off and things will look better for your next application. Okay, that, that probably falls right into my next question, which was uh, if, for example, I did have a problem with my credit history, am, am I still able to borrow money or am I I'm just out of the loop? Well, that, that's, a, that's a really good question because a lot of people are... Uh, there's, a, there's a couple of things that come into this. One is that people don't know what their credit history is like, but other people will have a sense of what it might be like and make some assumptions around that. where. And, it, and as an example, if you had a not ideal credit history, but you, you're a customer, let's say, of CBA, and we'll use them as the example, but there's not, nothing against CBA, by the way, but I'm just using them as an example because it's a brand that people know. Um, so if you walk into your, your bank being CBA and say, I'd like a personal loan, and your credit history is not ideal, or if you're wanting to, to borrow to, to buy property, for example, which is a much bigger investment, much bigger risk for them and for you, they're going to most likely say no if there's something in your credit history that looks a little bit questionable. The, the, the amount of questionable is how long's a piece of string because it could be a little bit of a challenge, it could be a big challenge, but all along the way there are usually some options and it's up to someone like me, your finance broker, to be able to say based on what we know of your credit history and your current position, these are the options available to you. Sometimes that will be, you need to achieve this before we can submit an application that's going to be successful. Sometimes that will be, you've got these options which will cost you a little bit more but will allow you still to borrow to buy that property that you've that you're got your heart set on. Okay, so it's not all dead in the water. We can actually, there are some things that you can help with and get people across the line in most cases. Correct. Okay. So what's the difference in borrowing for an owner-occupied property as, as against an investment property? At the moment, uh, the, the, the main difference is that the, the product in each, for each, with each lender is different. That, so the lenders have an investment loan or a, an owner-occupied loan. And generally the difference is things like features such as uh, fees, but also the interest rate itself is generally higher for an investment property. And that's just for, uh, that's in response to some, some limitations put on the lenders in the last 12 months where they've had to limit their investment growth, the, the growth of their investment loan book to a maximum of 10% per annum. And so they want to limit in some cases, more so, more so than sorry, some lenders more so than others are looking to limit how many investment lenders they're taking on because they can't have too many come into their um, into their book, so to speak. Okay. Yep. No, I can understand that. And and if I don't have enough money for a deposit, do I have any options available? What's, what happens there? Well, that's a, that's a good question too because, again, some people think, oh, well, until I save $50,000, there's no way I'm going to be able to buy a house. There are options available 
and it, it depends very much on what your current position is. So as an example, if you have a house now and you're looking to buy something else and don't have a deposit and you're looking to sell your current home but haven't sold it yet, there are options. Uh, one of those is a deposit bond, which I won't go into too much detail now, but I can certainly help people who are in that position. Um, the other one is that the, there might be a family member who can assist them. Now there are a, a number of ways that those family members can assist. They can assist with uh, equity in their own property. They can access access that equity in their property and get cash out to help. And there are other ways that uh, depending on the position of the, the people wanting to borrow the money to, um, in terms of how they get the how they can get the deposit. Another one where families can assist is what they, is what's called a gift. So, for example, and it's, it can only be a, a close family member, so mother, father, brother, or sister. Generally, sometimes it can extend, depending on the lender, can extend to, for example, grandparents. But uh, essentially, if you have a uh, a parent who wants to give you thirty thousand dollars to help you get started. In many cases, that will have to be a gift where they don't get that money back. Not always, but in many cases, that is how it needs to be because the bank doesn't want you taking on extra commitments, financial commitments, when they're going to lend you, for example, $500,000 to buy a house. So um, the, the many lenders require a, a statutory declaration or a legal document that they pre-prepare for the parents to sign to say that this money is not repayable by my child, that I'm giving them a gift of that, that amount of money. But that's just one of many options available. If there's somebody who has equity in property, somebody who has some cash available, maybe they want to give it as a gift or not, or if you yourself have, have uh, property or equity in property, then there are ways that we can look at this to make it, make it work even if you don't have a cash deposit yourself in the bank today. Okay, so there are lots of options out there available for people Correct. who really need to talk to the, you know, the financial advisor or whoever. Um, so when should somebody look at in buying their first investment property? Any, anybody who has financial stability and has a little bit of money left of, left at the end of each week or month and a little bit doesn't have to be doesn't necessarily mean a particular amount but ideally they'd have something left at the end of each each month because any anybody can actually buy investment property provided they can service the loan so one of the things that a lot of people hold back on investment property for is because if i can't afford to repay an investment loan today because of, because my income doesn't allow it, then they think they can't buy the investment property. Whereas what what is actually the case is the investment property itself provides some of that income to make the the repayments possible on the loan. But there also needs to be some level of buffer there, ideally, so that if something happened that the property wasn't rented for a month, then it's not going to be a financial crisis for the people who've bought it. But it's always a good idea to, to start looking at it at any time because you can always ask the questions, get yourself some uh, education and some information and work out from there and, and engage professionals who, who understand not just, I mean, there are people like myself as a finance broker, there are other people who work in the investment property field, but 
it's probably a conversation to have in conjunct one in conjunction with the other, but it's it's really a case of it's possible way before a lot of people think it is. It's actually advised way before a lot of people think it is. And what I mean by that is that many people will, for example, own a house or own part of a house and own a bank for the rest of it, but they they think that they can't buy an investment property until they've paid off their, their owner-occupied property, which is not the case. It's, there's a lot of things to consider in terms of your financial position to be in, to whether or not you can go and buy an investment property today or next week or next year, but it's always worth looking at it early, earlier than you think you're going to be ready because it might actually be something you can do immediately and if it's not, it also allows you then to plan for what you need to do to be in a position, let's say in six or 12 months, to then be able to invest in property. But property is a, a very sound wealth building strategy. Not the only one, but it is, it is one of the better ones because if you buy the right property in the right location, it, and when I say if you buy the right property in the right location, most, most locations are not bad. There might be some bad locations. You wouldn't want to, wouldn't want to have bought an investment property in in the West Australian gold fields in the last 12 months, for example, because things have happened to the mining industry that have made those rental properties less in demand. But general, generally speaking, if you buy buy property over time, the value will increase, and if you've got somebody paying for the the um, the loan on that, then it, it, the equity is going to increase without you having to contribute to that equity increase like you would if it was your own owner-occupied home. That's fantastic, David. Um, I've probably got about one more question for you, and it's really about um, just somebody getting into the market for the first time. So if somebody was getting into the real estate market for the first time and they were thinking about either buying an owner-occupied or an investment property, what would be your suggestion? What's the best way to go? Well, there's a couple of uh, views on this. One, one is that, um, uh, and I've heard this recently, and it actually makes a lot of sense, and that is rent for the rest of your life, but buy investment properties. That's a, that, that's a wealth development strategy, as opposed a wealth building strategy, as opposed to having a, an owner-occupied property for yourself to live in, be, purely because there are tax advantages to doing that, and that means that essentially the tax man and your, and your tenants are mostly paying off your property or properties and uh, there's no uh, really uh, no, no expenses for you beyond the rent you're paying because uh, in terms of the house you're living in because as the landlord somebody whoever's the landlord pays for things like maintenance uh, they pay the rates and they pay for, for uh, other things like the interest on the repayments so as as a, as a renter, you don't pay those things. You just pay the rent and your and your normal living expenses. Whereas if you have your owner occupied property, you also pay for the interest on your uh, loan. <laughs> excuse me, uh, your rates and any maintenance, which as the landlord you would pay for, but they're tax deductible. So there, there's different ways of looking at it. It really depends on what your goals are and I'm happy to sit down with my customers at any time and, and look at all of that and just see what their uh, ultimate goal is and how we can get them to that. And there's different ways of approaching it. Even if you do want your own property to live in, there are ways to do that that might take a bit more time but be more financially 
a, a better financial strategy for you to, to not do it straight away. But again, uh, it really comes down to it, people's individual goals and requirements and ability and uh, it's a conversation that we have to work, work out what the best step is to, to move them forward. That's great. Um, it's, um, it's been really, really eye, a bit of an eye-opener for me today just having a chat and uh, it's been you know, really good, uh, good and very informative. Uh, I've got no doubt that some of the listeners will obviously want to get in touch with you. What's the best way for them to do that? Well, they can call my mobile, which is 0458 695 626. They can call the 1300 number, which is 1300 786 610. Or they can visit our website, which is the one stop home loan shop.com. So it's the one stop home loan shop.com. All as one word, and, the, and one is the word O N E not a number or any other way of spelling one, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it does. It, 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 and it's pretty easy to remember. So it's the one homelongshop.com. It's got an AU at the end or not? No, no, no AU. So it's the onestophomeloanshop.com. Okay, fantastic. Well, once again, thanks for coming on the show. Um, I really enjoyed our session together. And perhaps we can, you know, elaborate on the topic later and maybe cover off some other things. Yeah, sure, that'd be fabulous. Thank you, Fred. It's been uh, great talking to you. No, likewise, and uh, have a great day. Bye for now. Bye.